2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll just read it silently along uh, as, as I read it, um, starting in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 7. This second epistle, beloved, now I write unto you, both in which I stir up uh, by your pure mind, or I'm sorry, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this, or yeah, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in, and in the water, whereby the world that, was, uh, that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And so as I as I look at this, and it's kind of interesting, you know, I think it's cool in scripture when like when Paul talks about communicating another letter and those types of things. And I think it's it's neat that Peter talks about the second epistle. He wrote uh, the first Peter. He wrote second Peter, and he's referencing uh, back. And, and we just can't get away from uh, the fact that. And did everybody get a handout? Did, did Amy get a handout? Did you? Um, thanks. Um, by way of remembrance, uh, again, right? Remembrance again, because we talked about this. I don't know if you remember. Maybe you weren't on the Zoom machine, but it was pretty early in in second Peter. It was early as we were ramping up. Uh, whole heart uh, again after after the the time of isolation but we talked about three things in that second peter uh, chapter 1 12 through 15 lesson that the holy Sp- uh, that remembrance is an agent of the holy spirit we specifically looked at john 14 26 that says but the comforter which is the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i have said unto you so literally the, the mechanism of remembrance, when God developed us, when he created us as beings, he developed in us the ability to remember, which is not something that is guaranteed to all creatures, by the way. He developed in us that ability to remember, and he specifically uses the Holy Spirit uh, to, to bring things to our remembrance so that we can apply them. And then um, we, we also saw in that lesson, again, just a very brief overview, that we can only remember what we have learned or know. I know that sounds like a duh, but you can't remember something you've never experienced. You can't remember something that has not happened to you. It, when it happens to you for the first time, you know, then you're not remembering it. Uh, it one of the funny things that uh, I don't remember who did this is probably on Saturday Night Live or something is from, seems like it was from my college days, where one guy was, you know, guy is saying to the other guy and he says, you remember when, when that happened? And he's like, oh wait, that wasn't me. Like, it's funny because you can't do that. You can't remember something that wasn't you, right? You only can remember what you have experienced. And we looked at Jude 1 5, where it says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this. Because we also have a tendency to forget, 
he has to remind us. When I was in college, I had to, I don't think I've shared this this story, and, and I apologize. The more I teach here at Midtown, uh, the more I can't remember if I've told the stories in my historical teachings or, or with you all. So just bear with it. Bear with it if you've heard the story. But when I went to, when I went to school down at, at UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas to learn to do prosthetics and orthotics, I had to take a gross anatomy uh, with, you know, with, uh, with uh, you know, cadaver lab. And the very first day, the professor, or the, yeah, professor said, at the end on the final, you will have to answer, you'll have 200 questions on the final, um, I think it was some 200 questions or so, and you will have to be able to identify any one of about 2,500 items or features on the human body from any one of the 20 or so cadavers that we had. So you really had to know it. Like, there was no way you were guessing your way through it. And he said, at some point in this course, and he likened the brain to it to an apple cart, you're going to be putting stuff on the front of the apple cart, and apples are going to be falling off the back. Okay? So you got to build systems and processes and principles so that you can keep things categorized in your brain. And he approached it very, I guess I'll call it clinically or scientific, but I have learned that spiritually as well. Each day we're getting new experiences, right? I didn't, and I'm sorry, I didn't even know you had a brother, let alone that his name was William and that he needed prayer, right? So by putting that apple on the front of my apple cart of my brain, something is bound to fall off the back. And if that's something that's important to you, I apologize. What Peter does is he says, I'm going to bring that in remembrance. And we need to take that approach with each other in ministry. That, hey, sometimes I need to be reminded of things. That doesn't mean I don't care. It just means literally that there's a lot. Michelle and I joke about this. Got a lot coming in. Got a lot coming in. Stuff's going to fall off the back. Okay? But we can only remember what we know. And it was even a godly trait that God, the Lord himself, chooses to remember. In Genesis 9.15, he says, And I will remember my covenant post-flood, right? I, will, I choose to remember what I said and what I did and my covenant with you. So it's a godly trait to remember, right? So in, in, in 2 Peter here in chapter 3, he specifically says the first epistle or that this is a second epistle, right? That And thus there was a, a first epistle. But what's interesting, he doesn't reference in 1 Peter the need to remember. Yet in here he says, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your minds by way of remembrance. So wait a second, did Peter not remember what he wrote in the first letter? Did he forget that he's, that, because he didn't even use the word remember or remembrance in First Peter. But what he does, and this is just an example, it's kind of how he's closing out the, the, the letter, but I, it's just an example. There's, I don't know, I didn't count them up, I just looked at a few of them, probably half a dozen, ten or so examples, where, he's, where he, he basically uses the concept of remembering, but without calling it that. For instance, in 1 Peter 5.12, By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. So he's pointing back and saying, you've already made this decision. You know this is something... He could have he could have referenced the concept of remembering here. He doesn't specifically do it, but... 
Peter himself refers to his first epistle as one of generating remembrance. That is a really big deal in scripture. I know I touched on it, you know, weeks ago when we talked about it, but and people do different different things in scripture. Some people write notes in their Bible, they'll put a date. Michelle does that to some degree. I, I'm not I'm not big on that. I you know, it kind of doesn't matter to me that it was the, you know, summer of 69. I, Brian Adams just jumped in my head. I don't know why, but you know, it doesn't specifically matter to me when something happened, right? That it was all church, you know, retreat, uh, you know, in 2018. Like that, that to me, that doesn't matter as long as I'm remembering the concept. Now, I think for her, tying it to a date or an event helps. That's cool to each his own, but you should have some people like heavy journal. Like they'll take notes in service, and but but if you're gonna do that, go back and look at it because that's the remembrance part, right? It's like God taught you, so so remember. So looking back, right? Looking back is is an important aspect. But then the weight of their words, as as we continue on, uh, notice in verse two, he says that you might be you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And of the commandments of the apostles, of us, the apostles of the Lord and, uh, of the Lord and Savior. So, look, the reality is, at this point, that by the point that Peter writes Second Peter, uh, I'm going to go a little bit out on a historical limb. I believe Peter realized that Scripture was being added to. I don't know that he specifically knew that this letter itself was going to be part of canon that you know but I think the tone was it was a new testament new writings were happening certainly he was, had been interacting with and understood Paul's salvation etc et so I think he's at least mindful of this um, but but notice that the tie that he puts the the tie that he puts between the words that are spoken of the prophets. He's not necessarily just referring to all the Old Testament, but but the words that were spoken of the prophets and the commandment of the apostles, and how he puts some weight to those. And I would say that he he says we must be mindful of Old Testament scripture and commandments of the apostles. And you say, well, that's, uh, again, Mitch, duh. I mean, I didn't come to class just to be told that, yeah, I know how to remember and we have to be mindful of Scripture. But what he's saying is that we do have to do that. And if you're in a place right now where when you... This might this might come across a little harsh, but I love you. I love each and every one of you. If back you at say... You. huh? Back at you, bro. Yeah, 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 fair enough. <laughs> If you say about a major decision in your life, I'll pray about it, but never seek the Lord's guidance in Scripture, I would argue you're not doing it right. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to turn to the book of First Hezekiah and it's going to say, take the job in Boston, right? It's, it doesn't work that way. And I've known people in my spiritual life, uh, in, my, in, my, in my walk with Jesus, that have done that very thing, where they'll find this somewhat not applicable verse and they'll say well that's what I'm that's what I'm relying on I, I found that that's what that's what Jesus gave me it's like well but that's like tied to a king in the Old Testament and like I'm not sure that that directly applies and I think you're reaching like and sometimes God does that I get it but I but my point is we have to be mindful of these 
Old Testament prophets and things that were spoken of the writers of the Old Testament, we have to be mindful of the commandments. We have to keep that. What's what's the word mindful mean? That it's full in our mind. That it's another another phrase would be top of mind, right? We should be making our decisions. We should be walking our walk mindful of Scripture. So look at this. Uh, so just a, a quick survey here of, of some of the, the similar concepts. Um, 2 Peter 1, 21, which we talked about for uh, you know previously. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that, that spake is an interesting point, right? How shall they hear without a preacher, right? Uh, Luke 170, uh, that does not seem right. Is it really 170? Maybe. Uh, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that, that God chooses to use the mouth. But, but those things in Acts 3, which God before had showed by the mouth of all of his prophets, that Christ should should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. In Acts 3.24, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, likewise foretold of these days. So the spoken word of the prophet in the Old Testament is not something to be to be to be taken lightly. Jesus referenced it. Um, the early New Testament church referenced it. Peter's talking about it here. That the words that were spoken, the events that were recorded, that comprise our Old Testament, are important for for our walk. They're just important. If you find yourself and I, I look, I'm, I'm I try to be a real balanced teacher. Um, I know that when we, when we went through our book of Job study, or at least that section of Job 26, there was a lot of examples in the Old Testament. I'm I, and I was sharing. I think it was with Shane this week, uh, sharing that I really like the the life lesson applications out of the Old Testament. They're very black and white. They're almost always very clear. There's right and there's wrong. It's kind of easy to tell who's on what side. There's not a lot of nuance. The New Testament is about my relationship with the Lord and developing a deeper spiritual walk. But the practicalness of the Old Testament is very important to me. Then I try to find a balance there. And if you, if you, I know some some believers that I that I'm sure are saved, uh, are good teachers. Uh, you know, they love the Lord, but they kind of discount the Old Testament. And I'm like, dude. You know, that scripture is there for a reason. So so be mindful of both of those. So and then the last day challengers looking around. So so the you know, looking um, I think we said looking uh, upward with respect to scripture and, and as God was speaking, right? So now these last day challengers looking around. Now a few weeks ago, we talked about false prophets and false teachers, right? So I'm going to do, a, again, this is a little review, and I, I'm not going to talk about all these things, but they were among us, and they bring in these damnable heresies, right? Um, they use covetousness. We, we talked about that. And we also talked about the fallen angels, or the unjust, in 2 Peter 2, Four through in our in our section on on Second Peter two four through eleven, where they have these unlawful deeds and they walk after the flesh of uncleanness. They despise governments. They're presumptuous, right? These these entities, um, these false teachers and these false angels have this kind of impact. And then last week 
we talked about natural brute beasts and how that was a tongue tie. You know, I'm tongue tied over that one for some reason. Natural brute beasts, and they speak evil things that they understand not. They actually like to cause trouble. This rioting in the daytime, and they have eyes full of adultery, and they just can't cease from sin. This is all in Second Peter, like. I know it's a little heavy that there's so many people that are kind of bad, but Peter's trying to communicate the point that there's different entities doing different things all to mess up your walk. Like Satan literally does not fight fair. He literally doesn't fight fair. And, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, the, I don't know, the, the key point in the movie where two guys are fighting and then out of somewhere else another guy hits a guy on the back of the head or something and the fight's over. So it's like it doesn't it just doesn't even seem fair. Just the the all the different ways that he attacks us and he uses false prophets or false teachers. He uses the fallen angels and he uses these natural brute beasts all against us. But unfortunately there's more. <laughs> you know, you get all that and another one for the same low price. Um, there's now scoffers in Second Peter chapter three. Scoffers in Second Peter chapter three, three through seven. So those, let's look at those again for just a second. For um, and I'm on the wrong page. Second Peter three, three through seven. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. And what do they do? They walk after their own lusts, and then they challenge uh, Scripture say, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue. Uh, and then verse 5, for they are willing, or for this they um, willingly are ignorant of. Right? So we're, we're going to dig down into this in our remaining time. But first, they walk after their own lusts. They walk after their own lusts. It's what they want, scoffers. These are people probably not in the church, like the natural brute beasts or the false teachers. Those tend to be people that could at least walk among us. Scoffers probably aren't, although they might be. You may encounter somebody here at church that's a scoffer. Probably they're your aunt, uncle, cousin, their, or spiritual aunt, uncle, cousin. They're one kind of removed from your immediate family if they are a believer. These are, look at this, they are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths, their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Um, and then in verse 18 of Jude, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So people who 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 really are heaping to themselves, they're they're, they kind of don't care the path of destruction that's, that's somebody else's problem. It's kind of about me, right? These are scoffers. They walk after their own lusts. Uh, they, they, they are focused on numero uno. And, but, but look at this, and I'm sorry for the, the detail on the slide here, but again, I'm, I'm trying to do it for several audiences, both here and anybody that might be listening online and, and have that as well. But, but notice... Notice some of these. They challenge the word, or at least the interpretation thereof. Now, <clears throat> I told my son Marshall this week that he is a fool if he believes that he's 100% right on what he believes. And I'll say the same to you and anybody that's listening. If you think you're 100% right 
and everything you believe in about scripture is 100% right, then you are alone and you have it all have it all figured out. I don't think any of us do. I think there's some aspect of some application in the Old Testament or some wording and something. Now, I think I got the big stuff down, okay? And in this case, 99% is pretty darn good. I'll take it, if you will, right? But I'm not going to believe for a second that 100% of what I believe is 100% right, okay? I mean, there, there's 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 going to be some aspect of, of, of what I believe that I don't have right. And I have to be careful. And the reason I bring this up is there are things that I might believe that are slightly different than Sam or slightly different than the pastors generally here or, or in the fellowship. But I'm going to be very careful with that. I'm going to be very careful with that because I'm going to have to look inside. Maybe I'm the one that's not right, right? And what? But what scoffers do... They like, they like kick that door in and be like, I'm the bull in the china shop and I'm right. And you all are stupid. That's what a scoffer does. Like, that's not the right approach. Look, look at this. In Ecclesiastes 1.9, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun, right? These scoffers... They've been in old time. They will be uh, in, in time again, right? So they're challenging the, the, the things, in some cases, the Old Testament. Jeremiah 5, uh, 17, 15. Behold, they say unto me, where is the word of the Lord? Right? Let it come now. Where, what, where's, where's God, how's God speak to, you, to us today? Is he doing it through dreams, through, through visions? What? Right? They'll challenge it. Ezekiel, and, the, and this was happening in the Old Testament. Well, happen, it happens now. Ezekiel 12, 22, 23, and 25. We'll lump all these together. Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel saying, these days are prolonged and every vision faileth? I mean, they're challenging, like, I don't see God at work in COVID. Like, why didn't he stop it? Well, because God's God and his ways are not my ways. And I can't take that approach. I've got to trust that he's sovereign and he knows what he's doing. Tell them, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say unto them, The days are at hand, and the effect of every vision. For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. Just because you don't see it, just because it's not in your lifetime, just because you might not be there, so to speak, hey, he will bring it to pass. It shall no more be prolonged, for in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word, and I will perform it, saith the Lord, uh, saith the Lord God. Like, he doesn't mess around with his promises. Just because all things have, you know, as, as the passage in, in, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, and they say, where is the promise of his coming? It's, since the fathers have fallen asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, that's a lie, because it... Water doesn't bubble up from the ground like it did before the flood. Like, we aren't all of one language. Like, I mean, that's not true. But it kind of sounds like, well, people are still people. Yeah, okay, people are still people. But not all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 
he's dealing with people differently. I'm pretty sure there was this guy that came a couple thousand years ago who died and saved it, you know, offered salvation to everybody. Like, not all things can continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Those challenges sound good, but God will be faithful to perform his work. And in Malachi 2, 17, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? If you have ever screamed out to God, why don't you take care of this? Why don't you judge them? Mm. Right? Be careful, because now you're challenging his sovereignty. Now you're challenging his omnipotence, and you're challenging that he's a God of justice, that he said he would. He will deal with it. Like, I've been there. I've said stuff like that before. I get frustrated with God that he's not acting on my timetable. Like, why is it that there are, are, are traffickers, human traffickers? That yeah. doesn't make sense to me. God smite them. Yeah. He will take care of it in his time. Mm. And that sounds to a lot of people like that means he's allowing the problem to propagate. That's not what it means. It might mean that he's giving people an opportunity to get out. And I don't necessarily just mean the the, the victims, but even the, the perpetrators of, of such things. And he might be giving them an opportunity to get saved, yep. right? So so we've got to be careful because they will, first, they will walk in their own lust. Second, they will challenge the, the word of God, or at least the interpretation thereof. And then this third is this concept of willingly ignorant, Okay. So a couple references that talk about willingly and ignorant, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 14, uh, 37 and 38. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Okay? Now that's different than willful or willing ignorance. Okay? It's a little bit different. Okay? Hebrews 5, and I'll talk more about it in a second. Hebrews 5, 1 and 2. For every high priest taketh from among men is ordained for, uh, for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself is, uh, is also is compassed with infirmity. So there is a concept of ignorant. And the reason I'm spending a moment here is... Ignorant is the precursor to, it's kind of the other side of the event from remembrance. So it's kind of an interesting bookends. Because you're ignorant of something until you've experienced it or know it, then from that point forward, you can remember. But this is different. This is willingly ignorant. And <clears throat> willingly ignorant, well, what are they willingly ignorant of in 2 Peter chapter 3? It's the judgment that's going to happen. They're literally saying, I'm going to deal with that. That's tomorrow Mitch's problem. Like, I dealt, I was dealing with this guy that <clears throat> his son, and, and again, maybe I've shared this with you guys, but his son, like, I think it was like his car broke down and... His dad was like, and I was friends with, am friends with his dad, and his dad was like, well, how are you going to get to work tomorrow? Like, we kind of got to figure this out. Your car's broken down. And he's like, well, that's tomorrow, that's tomorrow's problems. Like, like, I mean, I'm going to play video games or whatever tonight. That I deal with that tomorrow. 
That's not, that's tomorrow. You know, that's that's me, the me of tomorrow. That's his problem. And that is kind of the sentiment here. I don't know if that's the best illustration, but that's kind of what so how some people live their life. They're like, well, when I get old, I'll get right with God before our judgment. Like they, they're willingly ignorant. They're kicking that proverbial can down the road instead of dealing with it. Obviously, not realizing that their life is a vapor. Look at Jeremiah four. So, so they're so they were in, but in Second Peter, we've seen an angel's judgment. We've referenced the flood twice, and we've referenced Sodom and Gomorrah. Second Peter is a lot about judgment. There's a lot of judgment in Second Peter, and he says in Jeremiah four five, or. Jeremiah 5, 4 and 5. Therefore I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. So if they don't understand, if they don't know the judgment of their God, they're poor and foolish. I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. Like he draws this really, and what's the separator between the great men and the poor, it's just the acknowledging of a judgment to come. Like, that's a big deal. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. So the difference between a great man and a poor man or a foolish man in this context is acknowledging, not being willingly ignorant of the judgment to come. Okay? And with that, I'm going to leave you with, with just one verse. I've tried to put a verse or a part of a verse up on this last slide just as kind of a closing I like to do that. That's Acts 24, 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. So literally, when you minister to somebody, you will reason of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Let the Holy Spirit convict of sin, of righteousness, Amen. and of judgment, right? Amen. Which of the two things, judgment duplicates. The Holy Spirit will convict, and you can minister the concept of judgment. You have to be very careful about that, right? People don't like the concept of a judgment. They don't like the context concept of a final exam. They don't like the concept of, of being held accountable for their actions. But a judgment is coming for everyone, and they need to be mindful of that. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the time to get together. I just ask that you uh, take the things that you've taught us today. Lord, help us to put them in and and to uh, to understand and, and kind of uh, you know kind of percolate on them. Help us to to, to learn them, to grow. Uh, I'm I'm quite certain that every one of us has taken something a little different from the lesson today, and and that's that's okay. We praise you uh, for being the Holy uh, you know, God and, and using the Holy Spirit to uh, to teach us in different ways. We we trust that that you're a wonderful conductor in that way and so so lord just as we leave this place and we go in whether it's to service or to um uh, head home or other things lord just help us to be mindful of how you want to use us help us to be mindful of scoffers and those in our life that would try to draw us away uh from from our relationship with you and help us i guess maybe most of all to be mindful of the judgment to come in jesus name amen